Um, but one thing that's kind of been uh, a guideline for me um, for a long time has been the idea that um, the 12 steps represent something uh, kind of archetypal, kind of like a hero's journey represents some kind of archetypal human experience. And that a lot of what um, we can see as parallels between Buddhism and the 12 steps are these kind of core ideas that are founded not in uh, one religion or one philosophy, but really in sort of a almost uh, uh, organic process that humans go through. Uh, and, and indeed, that the human, you know, a spiritual journey um, doesn't necessarily involve addiction. But I think that it, it still uh, follows somewhat this arc that the steps and that Buddhism uh, follow. So step one, the kind of the powerlessness as it kind of parallels the suffering of the first noble truth, the challenge of just uh, being in a, having a body and mind. Um, is that kind of starting in darkness or, or starting from... Uh, from confusion and um, and uh, and in a way, it's the step one is that first wake up. So maybe we should say step zero is being in the place of darkness and confusion. But it's kind of the beginning of the journey is that first uh, moment, the little bit of light that comes through the cracks and. Um, so steps two and three, which in the 12 steps seem to be talking about God, um, aren't so much about God from my viewpoint. And obviously I'm going to talk more about this tonight. But just briefly to say that um, I think steps two and three are mainly about a reorientation uh, from a uh, uh, selfish, self-centered, pleasure-seeking orientation to something different. Uh, something more open, something more uh, uh, accepting, less controlling. So there's an element of faith, and uh, and there's a commitment um, to a set of values. And now I am giving away my whole evening's talk. So, um, so I'd like to start with some sitting. And this week, I'd like to um, kind of refine the the meditation instructions. Forgive me, while I I either have some weird flu or else I've got allergies, but. I'd like to refine the uh, meditation instructions. Oh, everything's falling apart here. Okay. Very good. Always like that uh, Paul Simon lyric everything put together sooner or later falls apart. Very Buddhist.
So we start out the mindfulness instructions with just the idea of being present, noticing when the mind wanders, coming back, and just sort of starting to connect with the body, starting to try to train ourselves to at least come back to the present moment, if, if not stay in the present moment. As we become uh, more clear in our capability of paying attention, we can start to um, see that more the particular elements of the things that are passing through the mind. And um, that then opens up a lot in practice. And we have to be careful here because uh, there's a whole range of things that can happen when we start to see the particulars of our own mind. First of all, shock. <laughs> this is what's been going through my mind my whole life. Um, also, fascination. You know, we can become all involved in doing self-therapy or self-analysis or, uh, wow, isn't it amazing? Or uh, as the mind becomes clearer and more concentrated, our fantasies can become more clear and concentrated, which is not where we're trying to go. Um, so this process has to be done carefully and with a, a pretty clear intention about purpose. Uh, <clears throat> one of the principles of Buddhism is that what we see in our own minds doesn't belong to us. It is not I, it is not me, it is not mine. So that right away can be a relief to just see this is just stuff. It's just what happens in the human mind. Stuff comes through. So what I'd like to suggest tonight is that you start to uh, make a simple uh, observation uh, whenever there's a somewhat clear thought in your mind that you realize you're having. Uh, and observe whether you can identify that thought of having a quality of desire in its many forms or of aversion in its many forms. So the desire might be planning or uh, thinking about uh, the chocolate that's waiting for you when you get home. Um, you know, any kind of sort of uh, sense of that. And aversion can be a judgment, and can be a resentment, it can be just, eh, don't like that, stinky, you know. Um, and just start to notice these, these two things. And, and, and don't, make a, don't make it into a, try not to do any more than that with it. Just, and so one of the ways we do this is actually using a mental note where you notice a thought, you, and you're, oh, thinking, oh, desire, desire, and then just coming back to the breath, aversion. So we're, we're, being, we're really taking this almost as a scientific observation. This is sort of social science, using ourselves as the cohort, control group. We're both everything, the out-of-control group. So before we start, any questions? 
Um, I'll give the same instructions. I, I'll be sort of giving this instruction as we go along, but uh, I like to tell people when their eyes are open uh, and they're listening, because sometimes when you close your eyes and start to meditate, you something else happens. I know it happens to me. Okay, so let's just settle into a comfortable posture. And by comfortable, <laughs> I mean that you're sitting upright and pre- pretty uh, nice um, energetic posture. Mm-hmm. These evening classes can be um, difficult to sustain our wakefulness. So to sit in a way that you'll be alert. And one of the ways we can describe that is to kind of sit, sit with dignity. And then bring your attention into your body. And see if you can just have a sense of relaxing on the muscular level. The spine is straight, holding you up, but the muscles are released. The sense of ease. Softening the belly, letting the breath move deeply into the body. Relaxing your jaw, letting any tension go out of your face. And starting to connect with the sensations of breath. following the breath, either at the nostrils or the belly, wherever it's easiest for you to sense and feel the breathing. So either feeling the touch of the air as it enters and leaves the nostrils, or the movement of the belly, the diaphragm, expanding and contracting. You might make the soft mental note in, out, if you're following the breath at the nostrils, or rising, falling, if you're following the breath at the belly.
It's natural for the mind to wander. And part of the process of meditation is to notice when that happens and gently come back to the breath. This isn't a mistake or a failure, but just a natural part of the process of training the mind. When you do notice that the mind has wandered, that you're caught up in thinking, see if you can notice the quality of thought, either a thought of wanting, a thought of desire, or a thought of not wanting, of aversion. And just notice that. Maybe make the note, the mental note, desire, desire, or aversion, aversion. And then come back to the breath. Don't add anything more. Analyze it, judge it, just notice. If it's not immediately clear which category the thought falls into, just come back to the breath. It's not a test, just an exercise. Notice how your mind reacts to physical sensations, the desire to move may actually arise out of some aversion to the way your body feels, or a sound might seem pleasant to you, your mind might grasp at that sound. These are all forms of desire and aversion.
notice if you get frustrated with yourself. Or if you're thinking about what's happening. Notice your desire to control your experience or to do it right. And let go of that. Trust the process. No schedule. No time frame. Not only are you not controlling how things unfold, you don't even know what's actually happening as you train your mind. So we have to trust in the process until at a certain point we see that there's been a shift. But we don't create that shift. We simply do our part and trust in the power of meditation.
So I'd like to hear how that uh, went for people and see if there are any questions about that, about working with that particular form of practice. Um, anybody willing to talk about whether they were able to and whatever happened with uh, working with that practice? Yes. Yeah, um, Max, do you have the microphone? Yes, very good. Thank you. Right here on the end of the row here. Thank you for using the microphone. Uh, most of it went really well. And at the end, I kept thinking, I know how my dog feels when he's listening for the leash to see if you're going to be ringing the bell. Uh-huh. You know. And that's bad? No, I've just, I just, <laughs> I have great empathy for him. Oh, well, that's, You know, yeah, but see, knowing compassion. that and measuring time yeah. and then, you know, kind of, it just feels so, um, like going through water, just coming in and coming out and coming in and uh -huh. coming out. Yeah, good. Well, and, and I think that's a sweet little thing to connect with, you know, and, and I, I think that's kind of unique. To, I'm not sure you, that would happen if you weren't doing this. So, so um, you know, that's, that's exactly what, I mean, that's one of the exact benefits that comes from meditation practice as we watch our own experience and start to realize that it's not really unique. We start to see, wow, the, what I'm going through, and then we see that others, you know, pets, humans, zombies, whatever, go through uh, these things. Um, and that changes our view of the world, really. I mean, it's, a, it's really, that in itself is a kind of spiritual awakening, and it's such a shift from the addict mind, right? Addicts don't have any compassion. I mean, and when we're in our addiction, there's no thought of the other, you know, except how they can give us what we want or how we can get what we want from them, you know. Um, so that's really, I really appreciate that, that moment. I, I also, though, will just uh, point a little bit to the... I, I, I think it's so important that we take a lot of care in terms of how we um, describe the quality of our meditation. And that when we, and this is not at all directed at you because all of us, you know, and, and particularly when people are new to meditation, do this kind of habitually. It's, it's just a natural thing to think of it as something sort of competitively or good and bad and right and wrong and that I think really undermines um, our uh, it, it kind of undermines our effort to kind of establish and sustain a practice because when there's a it, you know I was talking to someone about sports today, as I usually do at some point in my day. Uh, and, uh, you know, how in many sports people fail more than they succeed. You know, like in baseball, uh, someone who can, you know, fail seven out of ten times is an excellent hitter. And that, but if we look at the failure, you know, if we're in the, the meditation, uh, let me get to my point instead of talking about sports. <laughs> the, uh, meditation is much like that. We probably fail 
at a much higher rate if, if we're going to say success and failure is defined by am I present, am I feeling my breath, am I noticing, you know. We probably are failing at a much higher rate than we're succeeding. And so if we're thinking about it like that, we're creating this feeling, a negative feeling about it. And, and that can both either make us think, oh, why bother, or I'm no good at this, and other people are better, or this isn't getting me anywhere because I keep not being able to be present. And it's really that, you know, the Dalai Lama was once asked, you know, what about, you know, how should you judge your progress in meditation? He said, you shouldn't <laughs> judge your progress in meditation, but if you must, only do it over five or ten year periods. Like, look back, have things progressed in the last five or ten years? And, that, and I think that's a good way of looking at it, that you can't really see within the arc of a 30-minute, 20-minute meditation, you can't see the progress. It, much like, again, in recovery, if you're defining your recovery process as how it went today or this month or even maybe this year, you know, it's not going to be enough information. It's, it's like they say, if you kill yourself in the first five years or ten years or whatever it is, you're killing the wrong person. Or, you know, it's, it, we don't even know. We haven't even become uh, ourselves in, in recovery until some years down the line. And the same with meditation. It only starts to, it takes a while. And, uh, you know, we see, we know, like, that's why I think it's helpful to think in terms of the um, elements of meditation. There's concentration, there's uh, mindfulness, there's effort, you know, you've got intention, uh, you've got the kind of loving kindness, where's my heart, um, and, and you're not scoring them, you're just observing that, oh, concentration is weak right now, or there's a lot of energy right now. So uh, next week I'll be talking a lot about the five hindrances. But the, the, this is just another way of looking at our experience. It's, again, impersonal. So important to take our practice, uh, try to take it as impersonal. It's just stuff. It's just the, the mind, not my mind. It's just the body. Um, I, I, I guess I am emphasizing this enough. I was about to say I can't emphasize it enough, but... I think I've emphasized it enough, <laughs> so I'll stop. Anyone else want to go under my whip? Feels like it. anybody see that article about the Zen guy this, in the New York Times this week? We'll talk about that later. Sorry, I don't have sex with my students, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm not allowed to. My wife doesn't approve. Okay. Sorry. Um, my name's Willie. Hello. I found it really helpful. Um, I have a lot of... I have to physically reset myself a lot of times. Good. What, what do you mean by that? Um, like my shoulders get sore. Uh -huh. um, or I feel myself, and I don't know if it's because of my posture or what, but I start like falling forward while I'm meditating. That's sleepiness. <laughs> Even when I'm not tired. I just kind of go forward like that. So balance, balancing, finding a balance point. Yeah, I have to reset you myself. You might need a lot to. Yeah. You, you, sometimes what we think is our proper posture. I think most of us. I know I have a pretty bad posture because in sixth grade my mother took me out of Catholic school. That was the first big mistake. You know, she put me in this school where 
um, they didn't make you stand up when you, the teacher asked you a question. And right away, everything started downhill from there. And I realized that it was much cooler to walk like this than it was to you know, walk upright with my little Catholic tie on. So uh, anyway, uh, I have bad posture. And uh, so I, probably a lot of us, what feels like good, the right way to sit <laughs> isn't really very well aligned. And so we kind of have to hang out and kind of experiment. Like, I think it's probably better if I'm back here, but it feels like I'm falling over backwards, you know. You know, and you know, this feels right, but I'm actually really tipped forward. So, yeah, p play with it, experiment, but go on. That when you said it. reset your posture, I'd like to hear. Oh, see, like, um, I mean, in the past when I started, that would, that would throw off what I was Are doing. Are you chewing gum? I may be. Well, no. <laughs> no, I just mean it's hard, I hard, say to, may, I mean hard to meditate when you're chewing gum because it's like, you know, you're kind of got constant motion going on. I there. keep it, I keep it tucked in my cheek, but yeah. It what? I keep it tucked in my cheek, but yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. That's, okay. That's a, does your chewing gum lose its flavor on the bedpost overnight? I'm very I quit, I quit smoking. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not trying to bust you. I'm... You Just, got me. Yeah. Um, yeah. What were we talking about? Uh, <laughs> you know, I don't remember. I, it, what you what, actually what you were saying, I think I think it's actually a really good point. What you said, resetting your posture, because I one of the things that you, you'll notice is that when your mind wanders, your body wanders, and <laughs> so when your attention comes back to your breath, you'll often notice that either your posture has changed or there's been tension that's arisen in the body. And so each time you come back to the breath is, for me, a new starting of your meditation. So I like that reset. It's really starting your meditation again. And it's just, that's why I like the phrase, keep coming back, and that that fits. I Usually when I sign one breath at a time now, I write, keep coming back to the breath. And it's, not, and it's very, you know, apt uh, for this uh, connection. So yeah, to reset, you know, not in a big way, but just kind of like, oh wait, I'm tipping over, I'm falling, for, oh, kind of, and usually I do it with the breath, kind of breathe in and then, you know, kind of to bring myself up and then as I breathe out, kind of softening my belly and letting my shoulders relax and just settling back again. So, exactly. Awesome. Yes, way in the back. Hi. Um, <clears throat> my question revolves around more the feeling leading up to the meditation, a meditation. Uh, there's times in my practice where, you know, during the day, I'll, I'll get this craving or this urge to meditate and, and find quiet. And it's it's a it's a beautiful thing, and it's a it's a wonderful feeling. And then when I do meditate, it's you know I feel like I'm in a great place. And then there's other times, for example, this past week where it's very difficult to meditate, and that feeling's not there at all. So I guess my question is, how do you, how does one cultivate that 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 feeling that that sometimes, if we're lucky, we experience where we actually desire. To meditate. 
I don't think you, that you do. I, you know, it, like everything else, it comes and goes. And it's, to me, you know, when I'm turning it over, that commitment that I'm making is that I'm, I just show up. I don't, this is one of the ways that, you know, recovery operates different from addiction. We don't just do what we feel like doing and when we feel like doing it. We do what we know is the right thing to do when it's time to do it. And so I just show up for my meditation whether I want to or not. It just doesn't really even come into my mind to think, oh, I feel like or I don't feel like it, because that's just, that's not, it's not my job to decide that. And I can't control it. Simply can't. It's going gonna, it's gonna to change. And the fact is you probably need to meditate more when you don't feel like it, right? When you feel like it, it's because you're already kind of in a nice space and then you can kind of settle in. It's easy. When you don't feel like it, you sit down and you've got all this stuff going on. Wow, that's when you need to sit down and let all that stuff go on and let it calm down, right? Does that make sense? You're sitting in the back, so I naturally figure you need more extra help. So. <laughs> That's true. You know the, what? The, well, you know, there's the tradition of like the inventory row, right? You know, the people who sit in the back are judging everybody in front. And the, the other thing that I like is when someone shows up for, late for a meeting, how they say, "Well, if you, people show up late for a meeting, you, you know, we're not going to let them share." It's like, no, they're the ones that should share, because obviously, if they couldn't get to the meeting on time, something's going on. They need to. Share, you know, so anyway, this isn't about you, it's really just my story. None of it's about you, actually, this is all about me, I don't know if you knew that. Yeah. They don't have your name on the, pic, on the flyer, do they? No? Yeah, no, no ego here. So, um, shall we take a little break? I want to, once again, really suggest that you, maybe make more clear this week, that you really greet your neighbor, particularly the stranger <laughs> the neighbor, uh, and uh, meet some people here. We're, we're all kind of trying to pursue something together, and if you can find someone, I mentioned last week the idea of a meditation buddy, someone to check in with once a day or once every couple of days about your practice, just to say, I've been sitting or I've been having a hard time sitting, or, you know, are you sitting? Uh, you know, connect with somebody, just uh, exchange email addresses, become Facebook friends, do what you must. So we'll take about uh, seven minutes for a break and ring a bell. Thank you. Maybe even ten minutes, who knows. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.